You're listening to Your Jewish Life, Your Way with Karen Cinnamon, the podcast that explores what it feels like to be Jewish or Jewish in 2022. On the show, we divulge all of the secrets and know-how to being confident in celebrating and living your Jewish life, your way, with easy, simple ways to embrace your mishpacha through the traditions and rituals you've been dying to learn more about. So save your kvetching, we are talking less Jewish guilt and more Jewish joy here on out. Yalla, forget about the right and wrong ways to be Jewish. It's time to create a Jewish life you love living. Hey, it's so good to have you with me for today's episode. Always such a treat to sit down with you and talk all things Jewish life and being Jewish in 22 and beyond. All the myriad of feelings and emotions and highs and lows and fabulousness and celebrations and challenges of being Jewish in in today's world. And today's episode is all about raising proud Jewish children, whether you want to be a mother one day, whether you are a mother, whether you just want to use the takeaways from today's episode into being a proud Jewish woman or individual, this is going to be a juicy one. And I'm going to tell you about my guest in a minute. I just first want to share with you how excited I am. I'm in my new house. Last episode, I told you that we were moving. We're now in. It feels great. I'm going to be telling you more about my house move and actually what it feels like to be moving into an area that's more of a Jewish area. So I've moved more out of central London where we're in a two bedroom apartment and more into the outskirts where we have a house and more of a Jewish community and just the differences of that. I'll be talking more about that in my solo episode. So from September, we are going weekly with solo episodes from me in between the interview episodes. I'm excited about that. So listen out for that in September. And also another fun thing coming in September is the launch of, well, the pre-order launch of my Jewish Joy journal. So I felt that we needed a tangible product of everything we talk about and everything we do. So this is a journal. Do you like journaling? I personally love journaling. This is going to be a gratitude and goals journal with Jewish values and Shabbat prompts and daily prompts and connection and so much good stuff. I'll be telling you more and more about it in the following episodes. If you want to be part of the creation of that journal, make sure you're following me on Instagram, Your Jewish Life, because I'm going to be involving you in the design process in the coming weeks, choosing covers and getting you involved. So um, just wanted to share that with you because I want to make sure you, you join in and help me create the Jewish Joy Journal of your dreams. We've got an Instagram account for that already at Jewish Joy Journal as well. So let's dive into today's guest. She is a grandfluencer, if you can believe it. But to me, she's a wonderful young woman. I can't believe she's a grandma, but she's she's actually 63, which is astonishing. And in some ways, it's not astonishing because she's got so much wisdom that you can only get from, from being a certain age. But at the same time, she looks fabulous. She is fabulous. She's so relevant. She's so fabulous. She is Carrie Nachmani, who is a proud Jewish woman. She's the mother of three wonderful daughters, including influencer Ariel Charnas. And that's in fact how I discovered Carrie through following Ariel. And I'm hooked on Carrie's Instagram account. Go follow her at Carrie's Table. It is full of joyful Jewish recipes, family, good feeling, New York backdrops. I absolutely love it. And I wanted to carry on the podcast because she's an absolute font of Jewish parenting wisdom. 
You'll hear her sharing her secrets to raising successful, confident children who proudly own their Jewish identities. And you'll also hear about Carrie's journey of overcoming adversity and creating her life from scratch in the way that she wanted to. It's really powerful stuff. Well, there's so much you're going to learn from today's episode, whether it be how to own your identity as a proud Jewish woman, or whether it be tips on raising proud Jewish children, how to overcome adversity, cooking tips. It's just an outstanding episode. So without further ado, let's sit down with Carrie Nachmani. So welcome, Carrie. It's so wonderful to have you on the podcast. Welcome to the Your Jewish Life Your Way show. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. I wanted to invite you on the podcast for many reasons, but I knew I had to have you on when I heard you on your daughter, Ariel Charnas's podcast, talking all about motherhood and raising children amongst many things. And you really inspired me with a lot of what you said. And I thought it would be great to just sort of get to know you a bit better beyond what we see on the gram and just to hear more about your tips on raising children, because you seem to have done a wonderful job. (laughs) Thank you. So just a bit of background, uh, maybe, maybe just, just, just tell us a little bit about you and your family and, you know, just to get us started, because you'd come across as such a tight knit family and any tips for creating those bonds? Well, I guess, you know, I'll just, just to sort of sum it up because of like my podcast that I had done on motherhood, I guess the sum of all of that was basically that my, my upbringing in my childhood did not prepare me for motherhood the way that I saw motherhood. So it was really, I think that was really what just seemed to inspire and like get people's attention was just to know that you could take responsibility and create whatever family life ever, you know, appealed to you. And what were the sort of pillars? What were the things that you tried to instill as a mother to your children that you really that you really focused on? It was really about raising girls. You just could never take that lightly. It was just never was lost on me how important every step of raising those girls would be. The results of my actions, the situations that we create were just so evident to me that every step along the way would help to mold and to form these young girls into becoming the young women that I knew that they would be capable of becoming. And did Jewish values and traditions play a part as well? Or did you not? Was that not the center of your home? It was very much a center of my home because I chose it to be the center of my home. And what kind of traditions did you create? I'm, you know, I'm American. My mom was born in Czechoslovakia and Holocaust survivor family. So I was raised with that Jewishness because when my mom came to America and her mom and family, they only spoke Yiddish. It was the only language spoken in that part of my family. 
So I was raised with Hebrew school and I had a bat mitzvah, you know, in those days. So that was something that just always stayed with me. So I always knew the Bible and I knew how to read and write Hebrew and my Jewishness was instilled just as far as that went. It never really went further with my family, but because we never, you know, observed Shabbat, we never had, you know, family dinners. I mean, yes, we did observe all of the high holy holidays, but as far as my Jewishness growing up, it was lacking Mm. for me. I knew that, you know, whatever I had was, you know, was very grounding and it was, I always knew where I came from and my background. I knew that I wanted more of that. And was it important for you to marry someone Jewish? Was that, was that on your radar? No, it was not even a thought. First of all, when I got married, I was not thinking about getting married. (laughs) And my circles at that point, my Jewishness was honestly not even a thought in my mind. It was obviously a big part of your identity that you wanted to create that Jewish home and give your girls the, you know, the beautiful Shabbat rituals. And did you just sort of not make them up as you go along, but do you know what I mean? Did you put your own special twist on things? I was able to because my husband is Israeli. So, and I have to tell you the, my first trip to Israel was when my first daughter was six months old. That trip was life-changing for me. Tell me, tell me about the trip. I'm half Israeli myself and very connected to Israel. So I'd love to hear more about that trip. Oh my goodness, Karen. I, (laughs) I still can it's all about the feeling. It's mm, all about it the feeling. Yes. I will never forget that feeling. I was on that flight with my husband and my daughter, and I remember the plane landing in dirt. <laughs> there was not a runway. It mm. was dirt. And the second that plane landed in the dirt, they started to play on El Al, because that was probably the only airline then, Hatikva. Yes. And everyone on the plane started applauding. (laughs) I could still feel the chills through my body. It was like the most beautiful hug you could feel. It was was physical. I've got goosebumps now. And uh... I'm telling you, I had when that and that went on for a couple of years until they changed, you know, the airport, you know, there was some progress. But that first trip to Israel in my country, my homeland changed the course of the rest of my life in the best way. Can you tell me more about why, what you felt when you were there that changed things for you? It was the feeling of home, a feeling of warmth, of love, of belonging, of my religion, of my history. And as I said, my mom was born in Czechoslovakia. So I was a great student of the Holocaust. I went to Hunter University and I studied Holocaust history like it was my business. Goodness. Wow. I just, um, it just consumed me. We went to, I went to concentration camp. I like, uh, so I already had that base in me because of the Holocaust history and all of that knowledge that when I had all of that in me and I had my Israeli husband who served in the Israeli army and his whole family of like hundreds that just embraced <laughs> my and my family like, like we were together for a lifetime. It was just so 
so natural. It was like you suddenly had the joy of being Jewish. You know, there's so much atmosphere in Israel and there's so much joy, you know, and the love and the warmth and everything that you'd been maybe lacking of. Is that fair to say? Very fair to say. Yeah. It was was pure. It was so pure. And from all of the chaos and all of the heartache, this was a people that, and I'm not just talking about the Jewish people. Mm. I'm talking about the Christian people, the Arab people that we were with there, that were all one. Oh, that's beautiful, Carrie. And such a wonderful reminder, you know, even Jews often so easy to criticize Israel and, and the people and the directness, which I personally love the directness. I love it's so authentic, you know, you just know where you are. And if someone's showering you with compliments, they mean every word. If someone even tells you that dress doesn't suit you, well, I want to know that it doesn't suit me. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a fan. And the food now, obviously, you're known on your Instagram for food. I don't think I ever watch your stories and not see what you're what you're cooking. Did that love of food start with that trip in Israel as well? My mother-in-law, my, fa- my husband's family are um, from Morocco on both sides. Yeah. So the food always and in Israel had that kind of a theme to it. And my husband just loved that food. <laughs> and I was just fell in love with just the serving and the rituals and the way of making the foods and buying the foods that was all credited to my mother-in-law. Oh, this is, this is so uplifting hearing this, you know, that you just embraced this experience and, you know, it could have been different feelings that you felt, but it's just almost like the fact that you met an Israeli man and then the, the Israeli experience and then bringing it back to your American. So, yes. so tell me more, what happened after that trip? The word is like Peshert. It was just yes. meant to be from every, every step of this journey was Peshert. And <laughs> every year we would go with one child with two children with all and every year we were in Israel whether there was chemical warfare whether we had to go into a and you know it was just nothing would ever keep us away from our annual trip to Israel so your girls have this deep connection as well from going there every year completely it's mm. it's 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 a home yeah. it's not and we have all of my husband's family. I have no family in America. All of our family is from Israel. And it's something that, you know, it's because we made it that we were there every year. Every year we would travel to, you know, to the north. They'd go to Netanya. We'd go to a lot. We would take side trips to Morocco, to Turkey. We've been in every Arab country under the sun. We've traveled everywhere through Israel. It's funny because I can relate to what you're saying. I grew up in London with Sephardi Israeli mother who who met my dad here in London and my Mashkenazi father. I'm not close to my family in the UK, but my family in Israel with those annual trips again is my yeah. everything, you know, big family, the food, the warmth, the love that you feel from this family. It was, it was and, you know, I guess for my husband being so far away from a home, a home that he just adored was so wonderful that I I did feel that way because I would start to go by myself with my three daughters 
on a flight by myself before again progress where I remember landing like on like these airstrips in the middle of a field and I would have the stroller or a baby in my arms <laughs> you'd have to get on a bus and then the bus would take you to the terminal and then you get off to the terminal and then you have to go to Pat it was like it was just so crazy there was so much entailed in it and we just did it we just did it and because my husband wanted the girls to spend time with their fa- with the family in Israel, and he couldn't leave work for that amount of time. So I used to go by myself for about 10 years in a row with my three girls and stay for like two weeks. And then my husband would come and meet us. Wow. It was identical. I went you with did? my mom for a couple of, me and my brother would go with my mom for a few. It was slightly different in that she was the Israeli with the, her family. And then right. my father would join us for two weeks. But um, exactly. no, those summers, I'm sure exactly. your girls would say the same. Those summers define me and it's a big part of my identity and my values. You know, what I, what I experienced in those summers is what I want from life, you know. You take that with you. It was mm. You know, it's so hard to explain for people that have never been there, but like growing up here and then taking my children to Israel, it's hard to believe, but they had so much more freedom and independence there. They could go to a shop at like 10 years old with money and buy what they, and come back. But like it was in New York City, we were not living that way. No, same in London. I remember in Israel, we'd you know, me and my cousins would stay at home without adults when we were sort of a certain age. But I'm very interested in in what you've done with your life where you've rewritten your story. You could have been a victim of, you know, what you've experienced in, you know, the hardships. And instead, you've almost had that blank slate and created something so magical. And I think this can be very inspiring to a lot of listeners. Can you can you share some tips and advice around that? I guess, you know, let me just say for sure, it was not a smooth path. Mm. I was a victim for a very long time. Mm. But, you know, I think that, you know, you get to a point where you have opportunity. There's like a light where you realize that, you know, I don't have to carry this with me anymore. I'm going to, I break away. I mean, I knew at one, that it wasn't my fault. And I think when you know it was your fault and bad things keep happening to you, it gives you more power and strength to try and like dust off. And I'm not saying it lightly because it could take you. It's a lifetime of being consciously aware of, you know, of what you're feeling and what you're doing and the causes of it. It explains why, you know, you put so much into creating We'll link to that podcast that I listened to with with your daughter that explains, you know, all the details, all the things you did from their childhood to make it special and magical. And but but also a firm mother, you know, important to go together to get you talked about having structure for children is very important, which I believe as well. But equally a magical time. And I just think it's so hard in 2022. So many, we're all working mothers, most of us are. And it's tough to create those experiences and to put that much into meal. I try, I think we all try, but it's hard now. It's different now, isn't it? It's everything. It's very different now, but I can't really put my finger on it, but the mindfulness that I thought was so evident and it was so important for me 
it almost interfered with my being, you know, that person because I couldn't just trust my own instincts to react and to behave in the ways that I thought that maybe I should have. They were very conscious decisions. Mm. Nothing was like taken lightly. Like I really, I knew when I had my first child, the huge responsibility that was on me for this child, for this little girl to grow up and to be all the things that I dreamed that I could have mm-hmm. been or had or wished that I had, or it was so conscious for me. You know, I've got young girls, lots of our listeners, if they don't have young children, they maybe want children one day. What are your, as a, as a mother now of daughters in their thirties, is that correct? Yes. Yeah. What, what tips can you pass on to us for raising your, your daughters seem very successful in their career with families, choosing good life partners, content in themselves. Blessing. But again, it was not a straight line. I'm not saying we, we had a lot of, you know, ebbs and flows. We had Mm. some, you know, not great, you know, relationships, but the bond of whatever it was, we would always handle together you know, we were a family who would go through whatever was coming our way. Nothing would be too big or too small to take the time. If one of us cared about it, that's all that mattered. It was a common, not just a courtesy, but a real learning how to love and to care and to protect one another on a whole nother level. You know, little things, it was just breakfast or telling stories and everybody would share and, and just, and I always, and laughing and just having a good time together. And even just those, the little things, reading a book in bed together and talking about it and sharing the experiences with the girls. It was just um, every step along the way was intentional. And I don't. I want that to sound like it's coming off a little bit cold because when it's so intentional, you think, you know, that it's a little bit um, more mechanical. For me, it had to be, Mm. but girls never knew that. You know, mother, you go through your own private head. You don't, I didn't always, you know, share what, you know, behind it. It's all that matters. And I said it before about like landing in Israel, for me, I always knew for my girls, it was the feeling that they were left with. Wow, I love that. Do you know that quote by um, Maya Angelou? It says, it's people, oh, I must remember. It. I know exactly what you're talking yes. about. Yes. Maya Angelou. And yes, it's not about the, it's the experience or the way, what, the way people make you feel. Not what they, they, yeah. they make you feel. The yeah. feeling that you had, you might not remember where you went or what you, but you just remember that feeling of just warmth or love. And that's really what stays with you. And I know that because it works both ways. It's the bad feelings. Like when you see someone as a child and you see something and it makes you feel bad, it's the feeling. It's not so much what exactly was happening. It's how it made you feel. 
Yeah. And that's what you remember as well, the feeling, you know, that's what stays with you. So what about communication tips for communicating with, you know, certainly into the teenagers. I'm not there yet. My daughters are seven and eight, but when they start to want more sort of in inverse commas, their own lives, how do you keep the lines of communication open there? with your children because I think that's the key isn't it the good communication very much the key and I think um, as a mother they need to just know that you're there it's got to be like I mean of course you're the mother so there's judgment what are the children afraid of they're afraid of the judgment they don't want to disappoint you they don't (laughs) want you you know upset with them but they have to also know that you're a safe place I could talk like that because I got very lucky because my first daughter is like a little mother. (laughs) She is just, I'm telling you, she is just the most responsible maternal woman. And I knew it as a child that she would be this like ridiculously phenomenal mother because she's all heart. She's very responsible. And she became my liaison to my other. (laughs) Oh, how interesting. That first daughter, if you get so lucky to have her be the good, responsible, thoughtful one. She is that one at the moment, but how things might change. That's I'm telling. Well, I'm no, it does. That doesn't change. The younger girls always know that they can go to their older sister. Mm. She's the one. And usually she would always manage things without me but if she ever thought that maybe you know there was I don't know danger or something more she would come to me but it's a you know it's a hierarchy you know of <laughs> kids. and mm-hmm. and I knew that and when your oldest daughter is such a gem and you see the success in the way she is the other girls just emulated her yes yeah I have to give her a lot of credit for raising my kids <laughs> Just want to take a brief moment to tell you about my community, Smashing Life. It's a beautiful Jewish community that I'd absolutely love you to be a part of. It's a place to build the life you want on your terms, empowered by a community of like-minded Jewish women from all over the world. We have masterclasses and parties and get-togethers and socials and so much more. Um, Why don't I hand over to Ashley, one of our members from Los Angeles, and she can tell you what it's all about. So my favorite thing about being in Smashing Life is that it provides access to basically a group of friends where it's safe to share things that are good, that are bad, and things that you would never share publicly, like, I just took a pregnancy test and it came back negative. This sucks, everybody commiserate with me, or someone at work just threw me under the bus, and you know, people are so supportive, or you get to share something positive, like, you know, I just got a promotion at work, but I can't share it yet because it hasn't been announced yet. You can just share everything with each other and get you know support you can get just your group of friends cheering you on or commiserating with you supporting you for whatever you need and it's it's so special so there you have it that smashing life it's an incredible community membership club for jewish women and i'd love you to join just head to smashinglife.club smashinglife.club and join today
my mom is one of five children. There's the brother who's first and then four sisters. She's the eldest of the four sisters. And I asked my uncle, Sammy, her brother, who's got two wonderful, wonderful kids. I said to I wanted his tips as well. One of the things he said to me was, try and let them do whatever they want as long as it doesn't get harm them you know like they need to get things out their system type of thing what what do you have to say about that that element of if you've got a rebel child or whatever it is anything any tips around that yes it's a buckle up (laughs) (laughs) bumpy ride when they go you know if I could sit back and think of like which years were certainly you know the hardest would have to be the rebellious years, but it's almost like you kind of expect that, you know, you're not, you know, when they go, you know, you, you know, that those things are going to happen. You know, my kids will tell you that they were punished every week. Listen, I made a lot of mistakes also. I may have gone a little bit too far with structure and being strict. Hmm. You know, now, of course, all these years later, I could say, you know, great because they're so great. But in those days, you know, my one of my daughters said that her nickname was Penny the Punished because oh. every weekend someone wanted, they'd want to do and Oh, you're punished again. <laughs> like whatever they did, you know, and it's so funny, kids, because they try and get away with things. Mm. Sometimes you let mm. them and sometimes you're like, you know, my friend saw you in a, getting into a taxi you know that you're not allowed to get into a taxi. You know, there's certain yeah. things. Yeah. Tell me you did get into a taxi, but don't lie to me. Mm-hmm. When I like there's certain like there were a lot of things that, you know, they tried and you pull back and you try to build that structure because I thought that was something that I so desperately wanted because to me, structure was almost the equivalent of love. If you love me, you're going to punish me. You're going to watch me. You're going to care that I stayed out past my, you know. Oh, interesting. Because you didn't have that. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I might've pushed that a little bit. Mm. No, Mm. or because of my own issues. Mm. Well, we always take from our childhoods, you know, anything positive and apply that and then do the opposite of anything that we felt could have been better that I think each generation does that I'm interested now also to talk about you know we you you raised your children uh, in New York City which is a is a you know large Jewish population but at the end of the day is a, is not Israel um, and tell me if you feel you've raised proud Jewish children and if so how because I think so often as Jews in a non-Jewish world we diminish our Jewishness whether that's I know you're one of the few Instagrammers that speaks out about Israel and anti-Semitism so many people are scared to do it you know there's a lot of internalized shame diminishing our Jewishness talk to me a bit about that about who you are and how you've raised your children that makes me very very sad to think that anyone be should be ashamed of who they are especially you know when maybe they haven't really delved into who they are and when people so many people have so much to say about Israel when you know they don't really know and what's what's transported over here about the values and the life life in Israel is just so so much misinformation and that's just that just makes me you know very sad but I raised my children in a town called Old Westbury. It's a suburb of the city. Yeah. And 
it was, I guess it was, it's pretty, pretty Jewish. It was, I'd say majority, you know, it was a very Jewish little suburb and my daughters went to yeshiva. So my world was a little bit different than, you know, saying, you know, in New York city and, you know, at a more, you know, diverse community. So it re that really changed things. And like I said, I was really not, I mean, I was not brought up with so, you know, so much Jewishness besides just my bat mitzvah and that. So this going to yeshiva opened up a whole nother world for me. And I totally immersed myself in that world because I thought that that would be beneficial for my family. Mm -hmm. I became kosher. I became like, um, you know, in every holiday I was involved with, you know, with the school and just it, just my whole, I turned my whole world upside down so that my children could grow up in this yeshiva and follow their guidelines. And when I put my girls in yeshiva, I had to learn. <laughs> yeah. I had to learn, you know, how to, what to look for in my foods. I had to learn, you know, as far as, you know, being kosher and being, you know, Jewish, Solomon Schechter taught me a whole new world. And my girls were there until high school. And did they, you know, some some children who have that Jewish education, they sort of want to do all the opposite once they're in adulthood, or did they just kind of take the bits that they resonated with into adulthood? How how did that prepare them for sort of their their Jewish lives? What are they? You know, they... some Schechter Jewishness was very different than Israel. Yeah. So we had the best of both. Yes. Every yes. You know, so they were able to take their Jewishness from yeshiva and bring it to Israel. They could speak, they could read Hebrew. They knew the holidays. They knew what money they knew. You know, they, it was just really the combination of the two Jewish worlds. There's no escaping who they are and how they feel. And in the yeshiva, they felt great. They loved Lagba Omer and celebrating. And then we could go to Israel and they could talk about, they had the <laughs> best of all Jewish worlds. There was, to me, there would be no way that my family, my girls would not, not only own who they are, but love and respect being Jewish, proud women. And to this day, I could tell you they are. I love that. I just love that. Honestly, Carrie, you wouldn't believe how many of us feel, not myself, but, and I attribute it a lot to, to my Israeli side, but just feel that we have to hide our Jewishness in non-Jewish circles, or we can't be openly and, and unapologetically ourselves. And again, what would you say to someone who fears being openly Jewish or? I, I would, I'm so about owning who you are as a Jewish proud woman. Yes. <laughs> to do and to trust. I have to trust that what's going on in the world, they're saying this and saying that, but I trust that the truth will come through. Mm. The truth will come true. People will understand that Israel is the Jewish home. It is our country and we live there in an inclusive, loving environment. And anyone that's saying, I mean, listen, every, every culture, every religion has, you know, naysayers or, you know, problems. Every, mm -hmm. every country in the world and religion is like the biggest culprit. But 
in Israel, Jewish people should only know that this is the place of the Jewish people. It is our country. It is our home. We have to have it. It's our survive. It's our right. And anyone that has throws stones or says anything against that just doesn't realize yet. And as I see things are unfolding, like all of a sudden this country is making peace with Israel, this country is, they're coming through because at mm. the end of the day, we're all the same. We all <laughs> want peace. We all want to live in health and prosperity and together. Everyone just wants to be happy. Exactly. It's the few extremists that get the, the, the Those extremists that are, yeah. And I think that that the people as a whole really we're going to come down to this because we see what's gone on in the past few is not working and we mustn't we mustn't diminish ourselves and and kind of give in to that it's about standing proud being openly and unapologetically jewish but carrie what would you say there's there's many people that tell me let's say they're scared to show their mug and david when they ride the subway they hide it what would you say to them i i i'm so sorry for you and i do understand that and I know in London, you have, you know, a lot of this and I know that, and I'm not telling someone to go out there and be, you know, this person that's going to go and wear all the Jewish stars and <laughs> people are going to come and like, want to beat you up about that. But I'm just, if you, you know, so I, I understand that. I mean, I, I personally, I'm, I have a little bit of this crazy warrior thing going on in my head. <laughs> I, I feel like that. So if somebody starts to talk about that, I have a mouthpiece, but I, <laughs> I would not want my daughter. I would not want my daughters to be in that situation because I don't think that they're as prepared. Unfortunately, maybe I didn't prepare them as well. But like myself or my husband, we'd walk around with it. I would have a Jewish crown on my head. If I, I could. love that. You, I'm going to send you some earrings that you have. You heard of the designer Ariel Tida? No, I haven't. Okay. I'll say no more. No, but, <laughs> I'm going to send you, know. you a little surprise um, in the post. <laughs> no, I'm like you, you know, I, when you try to ride the subway with your Magin David out or Sammy out, you'll see that actually it's okay. And it feels fantastic. And it's just about, again, like Carrie says, not doing anything that makes you uncomfortable and, and completely empathize, but just try a little bit and see how empowering it feels to be you and not to be guided by fear. Isn't that, and I, and I suppose, cause you've overcome so much Carrie in your life that that's, that's why you can be unapologetically yourself. Isn't that right? I have to be. Yes. I have to be, I have to stand up when so many are afraid to. And, and it's not because they don't want to. And you see that and you don't, nobody should be living fear-based. That mm -hmm. what a terrible way to, and especially about who you are from your, you know, that, that should never be, nobody should be fear-based about expressing and being who they are. Nobody. What a terrible way for anyone to live, especially when we all know everybody's the same. We're <laughs> all the same in our own right. Everybody has their own personal history. And that's a beautiful thing. We need to celebrate our differences, to celebrate our different nationalities, but with respect to each other. That's, that's beautiful. All. And somehow I believe that's going to come through. 
I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, look, we're going to wrap up, but just before we do, it's time for our quick fire round. I'm going to ask you some questions. You can answer briefly or with a nice long story, whatever takes you, uh, whatever you fancy. Are you ready? <laughs> okay. Matzo ball soup or bagels with locks? <laughs> well, matzo ball soup for sure. If there's a little tickle in the throat, <laughs> matzo ball chicken soup is medicine. Like all my kids, no, if they would leave them or I hear a little cough or anything like that, matzo ball soup is being made. No. Bagels and lots <laughs> is strictly weekend. <laughs> Love it. Only on a Sunday breakfast. <laughs> and it's a brunch. It's not breakfast. It's not first thing. Only on Sunday. There's no better Sunday brunch, huh? Um, buy or bake a challah? Buy. I'm not a baker. <laughs> Favorite Yiddish word? Gornished. I haven't Me- heard that one. What's that? It means nothing. Say Gornished. it again. Gornished. Gornished. Nothing. My, <laughs> yep, I grew up with a lot of Yiddish. I have a lot of Yiddish words, but Gornished is my Yiddish word. Favorite Jewish tradition? I guess I'd have to say Shabbat. I mm. absolutely love my Shabbats. My Shabbat also, I just want to say, is not so much my Jewish as my Israel. What can you expand on that? It's just something that I never experienced Jewish in America. The only reason I do my Shabbats is because of what I picked up on my, in Jerusalem. And so what's a typical Shabbat? Can you talk me through it briefly, what you do? Well, it's very interesting because the challah is always warm. Mm -hmm. And in Israel, they serve this fish instead of soup. So the fish is the first, is like an appetizer. Like when my first time, when I would go for Shabbat dinner, they'd bring the fish and there's always so many, like 20 different salads on the table. And I had the fish and some of the salads and I was done. (laughs) Then they came out with soup and then comes the main course. So it was just a culinary experience out every Friday that was like out of a movie. And I could not wait to continue and carry that on. I have at least, you know, a dozen different salads on that table every Friday with the tablecloth, with the covers. And it was just, it was a celebration every Friday. And I only learned that from my family in Israel. That's beautiful. Um, So sticking with, with sort of your favorite things about being Jewish, what's your favorite Jewish holiday? Um, I guess I I love so many of them. I mean, I love Rosh Hashanah. I love that time of the year. I love the new beginning. I love the new year. I love the possibility of just a a whole new year about to come. It's something that just fills me with a lot of hope. It makes me happy. Uh, My family together, you know, I just love everything about Rosh Hashanah. Smashing the glass or a big horror? Well, smashing the glass has been like music to my ears because I've heard that quite a few times and it's been the best sound that I could ever wish for. Oh, do you know, I have um, a brand smashing the glass all about Jewish weddings. I love that. And I've never heard, I've never heard that about how the sound itself has given you in all these years. I've been running out since 2013. And that is just such a beautiful thing to say. I love what you've just said. (laughs) A um, couple more, couple more. Um, 
I wonder if the, oh, your answer to this will relate to anything you've said in the podcast. If you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? On the spot. <laughs> I guess you own you. Yes. Yes. You know, whoever that might be. Own it. Finally, if you could have Friday night dinner with any three Jewish celebrities or famous people, dead or alive, who would it be and why? My grandmother, because she was probably the most important and loving person in my entire life. And I would love for her to see what I've created. Joan Rivers, because <laughs> I love to laugh and nobody could make me you know, laugh like her. And my husband, because everything's better with him. No. Carrie, you have been a ray of sunshine and so much to learn from this podcast. I think people listen to it over and over and just, I wish I could chat to you all day. You've got, you're just great. And just thank you. Thank you for coming on today. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. If this episode inspired you in some way, I'd love you to take a screenshot of you listening on your device and post it to your Instagram stories and tag me at Your Jewish Life. I'd love to connect with you on Instagram and be your Instagram friend. That'd be fun. And I'd also love you to subscribe and share the episode with anyone you know who might benefit from it. I'd love you to leave a review as well. All these ways make sure that more people get to listen to the podcast and get inspired to live their Jewish life their way and we can spread the Jewish joy. So that would be a lovely mitzvah if you wanted to leave a review or share this episode with a friend or subscribe. One more thing I want to tell you about just before I go today is I've got a really great handy checklist for you if you are trying to build a Jewish home or you've got a home and you want to make it more Jewish or you just want to feel more Jewish at home. And it is a free checklist for everything you need in a modern Jewish home, literally covering everything you need to set up your modern Jewish home. If you've got a lot of these things, it's just a great reminder. There's links to everything you need as well. So it's it's really handy in that way too. And there's checklists for Rosh Hashanah, Shabbat, Hanukkah, Passover, and lots of minor Jewish holidays as well. And all sorts of fun ideas for the items too. So just head to yourjewishlife.co slash jewishhome if you want to grab that checklist. That's yourjewishlife.co, that's .co slash jewishhome, all one word. And the checklist is for you, whether you're Jewish, Jewish, or becoming Jewish. Let me know what you think. Drop me a line on Instagram and have a great day.